Dear God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word, for your people, for the way we can worship you and love you and feel your presence and your love and your comfort. We thank you for that. Pray, God, that the word would go forth and find a place in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you on this subject. When he puts words in your mouth, you can't stop us. When he puts words in your mouth, you can't stop us. Too many Christians are in danger of getting too comfortable with this world, which only leads to a passive spiritual life for Jesus. Many have been sedated by prosperity, which negates the seeking the kingdom of God first, as we're commanded in the scripture. And God is trying to move us out of the comfort zone because that's where the excitement really exists. The excitement is in following Jesus and allowing God to lead you to the unexpected, where he puts words in your mouth and gives you ministry on the spot. The consequence of those words can bring hope and healing to those who hear. What happened in Acts chapter 4 is the result of words spoken by Peter to the man at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3. So go there with me. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, words that changed a man's life. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. I'm not going to preach on this healing of this man. What I would like to speak on is what happened after. While Jesus is working through the church, the world is on a conference call discussing the Savior and his followers. The world is still trying to decide who Jesus is. It's nothing new. In the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 1, I'm going to give you a, a series of words that begins with the letter D. It helps people remember. I call this the declaration. 
And what is a declaration? It's something that we speak out or we make a statement. We make an announcement, a testimony. We declare. We state. We testify. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, look at what it says. And as they spake unto the people, they're declaring. They're making a declaration. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Here was a man that was crippled from his mother's womb. Here's a man that everybody knew and passed over as they were going to the temple. And this man was healed by the great power of God, demonstrated through Peter and John. All of a sudden, through this declaration of words that caused this man to be healed and to stand on his feet for the first time, they were grieved. Grieved. Grieved about a man being healed. To be grieved means to be greatly troubled. It means to be displeased and offended. To be pained. To be worked up. These people were in that state. You see, the Sadducees were a group of people that denied the resurrection of the body. They denied the immortality of the soul. And they denied the existence of spirits and angels. So when they came together and they had this council meeting, the Sadducees being a part of it, they didn't like what the disciples preached. You see, and we're seeing this today, some people don't like when you preach what they don't believe and only want to be heard on what they believe. It's the great double standard. They can say what they want, but don't you dare say what you believe. Because they will follow persecution, harassment, banishment from Facebook, social media. <laughs> They'll take down your account. They'll deny you bank access in some banks that don't like people who are conservatives or love Jesus and love their country. That's happening. Read it for yourself. If you speak up for Jesus, you'll draw a crowd of God-haters. If you speak about the resurrection, you run the risk of being persecuted and perhaps much more. Talk about God is one thing. That's possibly acceptable. But mention Jesus rising from the dead, that's unacceptable. You see, there's been many, many religious leaders down through the years. But none of them ever boasted about dying and coming back to life, except Jesus. And this sort of is like a kink in their spirit when you mention the resurrection. The book of Acts is all about the resurrection of Christ. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 tells us, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You're saved because of the resurrection. He was the first fruits of the resurrection. Because he lives, 
we can live also. Acts chapter 4, verse 33 said this, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. That's all they talked about. They talked about how they walked with Jesus for three and a half years. How they saw him die on the cross. How he was tortured and beaten and whipped. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And not only rose from the dead, but visited them. And walked through their streets. And ate with them. And rejoiced with them. Some didn't believe. Like Thomas, who had to touch and see his wounds. But then Thomas understood, this is the Christ. So we have the declaration. Then we have what I call the detainment. What's a detainment? It's detention. It means to hold or be held, to be in custody. In other words, to be arrested for what you declared about Jesus and the resurrection. You see, you can't deny the miracle. These people could not deny the miracle because they knew this man. It'd be very hard for them to say something didn't happen. And the Bible says in verse 3, and they laid hands on them and put them in the hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Laying hands on them meant they seized them to lead them off as a prisoner. And to be in the hold meant that they were now being guarded and watched. They were attended to carefully and attentively. It's like, wow, guys, are you scared? Are, are you like fearful of what's going to happen next? You have no idea what God's going to do, do you? Neither do we, but we're just following Jesus. And we're talking about the resurrection. The Bible says in verse 4, However, many of those who had heard the word believed, the number of men being about 5,000. Teaching and preaching the gospel brought forth believers. The religious leaders did not like this. They did not like that people were now believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and not believing their old, stuffy sermons and sermonettes and talks and nonsense. But now they were following someone that came back to life. What does it mean that they believed? It meant they had a strong and welcome belief that Jesus is the Messiah, through whom we obtain, obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. In other words, they were believing in the resurrection and this pained the Sadducees and those that were in the committee because they were being grieved and pained in their heart. So what happens? Well, when something sort of happens out of the normal, you have to have a committee meeting. You have to have an investigation. While these men are contained, in verse number five it says, and it came to pass on tomorrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, look how we attract people. Look what comes out of the wall and from under the carpet. And it came to pass on tomorrow that their rulers and elders and scribes 
and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. This is a big meeting. This is a big committee. These are the higher-ups in the religious area. And they want to ask a question because they're befuddled about what's happened to the crippled man. And in verse 7, they say, and when they had set them in their midst, now they have those that have been detained in their midst. We're going to ask you a question. And we want you to give us the answer. Okay. And they ask this question. By what power or by what name have you done this? Now they're recognizing something happened. <laughs> they're recognizing a miracle took place. They want to know how it happened. At least they recognize the miracle. Yeah, there you go. At least they recognize what happened to the crippled man. And now their wheels are turning. How did you do this? We've never seen this before. Well, how did you men do this? Because they only consider these men as unlearned and ignorant men. You don't know nothing. You didn't go to our seminary. You're not a Sadducee or a Pharisee or a scribe. Who are you? You're just common people walking the earth here, and all of a sudden you're telling us about the resurrection of Jesus. They recognized the miracle took place, but could not understand how it took place. So now we have what I call the defense. You see, first you have the declaration, the words that the apostles spoke. Then you have the detainment, the committee meeting and all this charade that went on. It's kind of like today. You have to have a committee to investigate the committee. And it takes a couple of years for the result to come to pass. And you wait and you wait and you wait. And then when you get the result, you don't really believe the result because you believe it's a lie. So here's what happened. Peter. Filled with the Holy Spirit and in control. No panic. Hey, we've been in jail last night. For doing what? For preaching the gospel. For seeing that this sick man, this man that was crippled to, to be healed and raised to his feet. Now we're being detained. Committee meeting has met. They want to ask us a question. And so here's Peter in verse number eight. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are examined about the good deed done to the infirm man and by what means he is made whole, now here is the defense. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, mm, that didn't go over too good, and whom God raised from the dead, that didn't go over too good. Even by him does this man stand here before you whole, that didn't go over too good. This is the stone which was set at naught by you builders and which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Can you imagine? Peter preaching that to all of these religious leaders. He's a fisherman. He's a fisherman. 
But now, he's a disciple and apostle of Christ. And he's a preacher man. You see, only God could do that. God could take nothing that makes something out of nothing. God could take a person's life and turn it around in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. You know what's happened to us. One day we were there, and the next day we're here. One day we were dead in our sins, and the next day we're lively, hopeful, praise God, in the resurrection of Christ. People ask us, how did that happen? Because of Jesus. And it sounds so simple, it goes over their head because they want some complex theological answer. And I have none. Other than what Peter said. You see, Jesus warned us about something. And I'm going to show you what's going to happen. And it's not very tasteful. Because what happened to the early church will eventually happen to the last day church. Because it's already happening in the world. And I'm going to cite some reference for you to prove to you what's going on in a foreign country with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19, I'm going to read three verses that are similar because Jesus said it three times, and there's a reason why. He says, but when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. Mark chapter 13, verse 11, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do you premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Luke 12, 11. And when they bring you into the synagogues and into the magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing you shall answer or what you shall say. What was Jesus saying? We already see ministers in Canada being incarcerated for preaching the gospel. Yeah. We're already seeing that the Bible is now being listed as hate speech. We're seeing that. We're seeing Christianity in America being suppressed by those in power, the rulers, the magistrates. And some pastors and Christians have been taken into court before a judge to answer questions about why they're doing what they're doing in our country, where we just celebrated July 4th and the freedom from the King of England so that people could come here and worship their God. So what's going on here, Pastor? Well, first we had the declaration, then we had the detainment, then we had the defense, and now the decision. What's a decision? It's a verdict. It's a conclusion. It's a judgment. It's a ruling that a court makes. And verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took note of them that they had been with Jesus. What does that mean? They marveled because they said, you didn't go to our school, but you seem to know so much. You didn't graduate from the school where the Sadducees and the scribes and the Pharisees graduated from. 
You didn't come to our theological institution. But yet they're recognizing when they said they were unlearned and ignorant men, they were amazed what these men knew. You see, when you come to Christ, you gain wisdom. When you come to Christ, you gain knowledge. When you come to Christ, you gain know-how. And people think we're stupid because we're meek. And we're nice and we're loving. And they think we have doormat on the top of our forehead. But little do they know that we live in two worlds. We live in the natural world, but we also live in the spiritual world. And as they're giving their bloviations to us, we're looking at them and saying, you think you're fooling me. You think this is April Fool's Day or something. You think you're fooling me. Because you see right through it. Because God gives you discernment. God, God lets you know who's coming into your sheepfold. And they're amazed on how you conduct yourself and how you deal with them as people who oppose you. They saw boldness. And what is that? It's freedom in speaking. It's unreservedness in speech. It means to openly and frankly, without concealment, speak and declare what God has said. It means without ambiguity, no cover-up, no, okay, God, I'm going to apologize for you. No. Free and fearless confidence, cheerful courage and assurance. These men who were on this religious committee were blown away by the boldness and the courage of these men. It's like, where did you get this from? Well, you get it from Jesus. And you get it through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 11 and 12, it says, According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. We have boldness. That's why you come here. Because you believe that you can come into the throne room of God in his presence and not be fearful or afraid or cowardly, knowing that there is a Father God that loves you, a Jesus that stands with you, and a Holy Spirit that leads and guides you and comforts you. People look at us sometimes and they say, aren't you worried the world's going to blow up? I say, if the bomb came in your backyard, can you catch it? <laughs> can you catch it? The question should be, are you ready? That should be the question. You don't have to worry about the bomb. You don't have to worry about what's happening in the world because Jesus already told us what's going to happen. It's not a mystery to us as Christians because he reveals it to us. We are his sons and daughters. He calls us friends. And when you have a friend, a true friend, they confide in each other. And Jesus confides in us. He does nothing without speaking to the prophets first. And the prophets reveal it to the body of Christ. He speaks to the preachers and so on and so forth. So what happens? Loss of words concerning the healing of this man. In verse 14 in the book of Acts, 
and beholding the man who was healed standing with them. Here's the proof. How many years did you walk over this man, Mr. Sadducee, Mr. Pharisee, Mr. Scribe? Maybe you put a thin dime in his cup to appease your conscience. But you walked past him. The dust from your shoes fell on his face, on the sweat of his brow. You didn't care. But now the Bible says the man who was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. How can you refute this? You know him. Everyone knew him. He's the crippled man. He's the beggar asking for alms. Asking for money. But when they had commanded them to go outside the council, they conferred among themselves. Here's what they were saying. Just leave for a few minutes. We got to talk about this. Let's pick a topic and talk about it. And they weren't talking about the Industrial Revolution, so to speak. They weren't talking about some recipe. They were talking about what are we going to do with these guys? Because if this gets out of hand, we're in trouble. They'll empty the synagogues. There's thousands of people that believe now. On the day of Pentecost, now these people, 5,000 men, their families, their wives, their children, they're going to empty out this. We're not going to be able to live a plush life here. We might have to go, go to work, get a job. We've never done that before. We walk around in our robes in the marketplace and they call us rabbi. We're distinguished people. We're honoraries. We're nobles. We have to stop this. So they said in verse 16 saying, what shall we do to these men? Well, what do you want to do with them? They're, they're juggling this question around. For indeed, that a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all those who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So they're accepting a miracle took place. They're accepting. How can we deny this, they're saying? How can we put this in a box somewhere and hide it? We know this guy. We know from his mother's womb he was a cripple. Now he stands with them. So we cannot deny. So what are we going to do? Verse 17. So, but so that it spread no further among the people. Now they're afraid. Let us strictly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in his name. Mm. And they called them back and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Listen. You cannot contain a spiritual explosion. <clears throat> and you cannot quench a spiritual explosion. They're trying to put a lid on the power of God. They're trying to put a lid on the omnipotent power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. <laughs> you can't contain this. The world has tried. The world has tried to contain this. It's like trying to contain a forest fire. It just keeps blazing for months. 
You can't contain the fire of God. Acts chapter 5 and verse 11, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least at the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. <laughs> what are we going to do with these guys? Yeah, tell me what you're going to do. So they made a decision. And then a determination was made. What's a determination? It's a resolve or a purpose or a fortitude. It's grit or strength of mind. So now we're going to bring these men back. And Peter said in verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, <laughs> Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you rather than unto God, judge ye. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. What are you saying, guys? <laughs> what are we saying? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing for which they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which had been done. For the man on whom this miracle of healing was shown was over 40 years old. What are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with them? I call this the detonation. I'll go through the list again. What does it mean to detonate? It means to explode, ignite, discharge. The Bible says in verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God who has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of thy servant David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, had gathered together to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Do you know 
Many times, these men were beaten. The Bible says they were whipped, which means they received 39 lashes. But they rejoiced. They went back to their Christian fellowship and gave a testimony on how God healed and how God spoke through them. And the spiritual explosion started taking place. In Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and through the othermost parts of the earth. What happened? The distribution. This is going to be representative of the last day church. I'll summarize. In verse 32, it says, And the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any one of them that any of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who was surnamed by the apostles Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. What happened? Let me give you a little review here. We started out talking about how people who call themselves Christians in America are getting a little bit too comfortable with the world, a little bit too comfortable with the prosperity that we've enjoyed, and God is not against that. But he does say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I know that a lot of people have been seduced by the prosperity message, thinking that if they're prosperous, they're blessed. Not necessarily true. So the apostles declared the word. They spoke it in Acts chapter 3 to the crippled man. And there was consequences. And they declared the word. And what happened after they declared the word of God? People became grieved by what they did. And they were troubled. And the Bible says that they were detained. And in that detainment, Peter gave his defense. And then the determination and resolve to say to the committee, no matter what you do to us, no matter what you say, we're going to obey God first and not you. Yes, we're to obey government. We're supposed to obey laws, but when they collide and oppose the holy word of God, then we're in conflict. Then we have to make a decision as Christians. What are you going to do? 
What am I going to do? Peter made the decision. The decision was his determination with John and the apostles to preach the word of God. The committee made their decision. But to the men of God, it did not matter. Because what happened? A great detonation took place. The power of God exploded throughout the cities where people were bringing sick people out into the streets. And Peter was just passing them in his shadow, being healed by the power of Almighty God. (laughs) If you thought the impotent man who was healed from his mother's womb blew their minds, I wonder when they thought when all the cities were being vacated and they were coming to the men of God and Peter was just walking and said, just come in my shadow. It's not my shadow, praise God. It's the shadow of the Lord. And that shadow is going to heal you in the name of Jesus Christ. Have faith in God. And every one of them was healed. Healed. They didn't care what the committee said. They didn't care what the Sadducees believed or didn't believe about the resurrection. They didn't. And neither will the last day church. Now, you listen. What I just preached to you here briefly is representative of the last day church. A sacrificial and generous church with power, unity, and love for one another. Romans chapter 11, verse 5 says this, Even so then at this present time also, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. You've heard me preach on that for years. There's a remnant. I'm not talking about stuffy people who say they're Christians but don't believe in the resurrection of Christ or the immortality of the soul or the existence of spirits or angels. They want to deny that. They want to deny the entire book of Acts like it doesn't exist. Let's just do away with that. Because our preacher told us that was heresy. Our preacher told us that that Pentecostal movement is just heretical. Well, just leave us alone. Because we're getting the work done for God. Believe what you want. Have your committee meetings. Discuss what we're doing. Write books against us. Make videos against us. Try to ban us. You can't stop us. Follow. Romans chapter 11, verse 5, in the message version, says it so explicitly. It's the same today. There's a fiercely loyal minority still. Not many, perhaps, but probably more than you think. They're holding on. Not because of what they think, they're going to get out of it, but because they're convinced of God's grace and purpose in choosing them, if they were only thinking of their own immediate self-interest, they would have left long ago. This is the remnant that I have preached about for years, that I believe God is raising up in our country and raising up in the world. Now I want to read something to you, coming to a close. I'm not going to give the name of the ministry, because it's going to go on the internet. But I receive a letter from a missions that we support for years. 
And here's what's happening in that country. Here's just a glimpse of what she writes. Attendance at underground house church meetings are against the law and subject to arrest and persecution. Any preaching and teaching about Jesus Christ in public is considered treason. All crosses on churches are to be destroyed. No posters or images of Jesus Christ are to be placed anywhere. All online Christian services are forbidden. Only attendance at communist registered three self-churches is acceptable by law. Let me continue. Crosses and churches demolished, pastors arrested, believers tortured, and children detained. It's estimated that in 2021, 1,265 churches have been demolished and 225,000 Christians in this country have been persecuted for one reason. They love the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't stop us, though. Listen to this report. With an estimated 25,000 souls saved every day in this country, we have already seen a flood tide of over 1 million new converts ready to follow Jesus to their death. They're not living in America. No. They're not, li not living in plush homes and driving plush cars. They don't have plush jobs. Listen, underground house churches are crying out for Bibles immediately to feed and strengthen these millions of new Christians before they go to prison. They know where they're going. Most of the one million new Christians who have gone into the underground church are worshiping with other underground Christians. The communist police have fanned out across the country in a border-to-border -border dragnet to arrest, bludgeon, and look up every new Christian that they can find just this year. I can't read some of the rest. But here's what your church did last week. We purchased 25 cargo bikes. They're $40 a piece. We sent $1,000 to this ministry so that nationals, men and women, riding in danger, delivering Bibles to the underground church in this communist country. Amen. Knowing that their life is in danger, imprisonment, torture, and eventual death. I don't know how many bicycles, cargo bikes that we have sent through the years to this country. It's quite a few. But I couldn't read this missionary letter and say, wow, I'll pray for you. We had to do more. See, that's why this church is generous. We do this. Why do we do this? Because we have brothers and sisters who are crying for the word of God. We have Bibles strewn across our living rooms, in our bookcases, collecting dust in a free America. 
And we cry, baby, if somebody calls us a name or hurts our feelings. We get our noses out of joint. But when I read this and deliver this to your soul, wow, what boldness and what courage these men and women and boys and girls have in believing in Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the Lord, knowing what their end might be. I can't say from a pulpit what happens in those countries. You can read it for yourself online. It's torturous. It's blasphemous. It's against humanity, crimes against humanity. And it's so sad what's taking place. So we here in America think, well, we escaped that. Have we? It's at the door. More conservative platforms being taken down. Voices being quelled and squenched. But the church is finding a way. I said the church is finding a way. And when they take this away from us, God will give us something. He'll give us something. Because you cannot contain a spiritual explosion. You cannot contain the remnant church that is rising up in America. And there's millions that are dissatisfied with just religion. They're dissatisfied with the status quo. They're dissatisfied with themselves because they're saying now, as they said in the Azusa Street Revival, there has to be more. And they want more. And when you want more, God will meet you with more. And he will pour out the former rain and the latter rain. And he'll combine it. And he'll pour it out on your head. And he said, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit. And he's doing that. He'll have a voice. He'll have a church. People say, will God have a church that will be raptured? Of course. He's not coming back for nobody. (laughs) I said he's not coming back for nobody. He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his people, his sons and daughters. And as soon as he gets the message from the Father, go get your church. It'll happen. When we don't know. But here's what God is trying to prepare us for. He's trying to prepare us for the days ahead. Oh, we don't want to really speak about it because it's distasteful. We don't want to really recognize that it can happen in our country. We don't want to accept that. We want to just go on living life in our prosperity, which is fine. But there's going to be consequences for those that preach the gospel. For those that want to raise their families in the admonition of the Lord. And for those that want to stand for the truth of God's word, there'll be consequences. And for some, it'll be dire consequences. Even, I believe, in our own country. Whatever price we have to pay, I pray that God will give us the grace to sustain us in our most darkest hour. 
That God would raise us up with hope and boldness and courage to speak the words without rehearsal, without premeditating on what we're supposed to say. But with the boldness of a Peter and a John declare unto the people, we must obey God first. Because that's the rule that we go by. And when you oppose the order of God, we're in opposition to you. So be as it may. Do what you need to do. But we are the people of God. And one day, we will be in control of this world. One day, God will put down every enemy of the cross. God will put down every false way and raise us up as a church and exalt the name of Jesus through us. Praise God. Amen. Father, let us pray. Lord, when you put words in our mouth that can change the life of another human being, we saw that with Peter and John. And we also saw, God, that you exploded the gospel in the New Testament. You can't stop us, God is saying. You can't stop my church or my people, my children, because I'm with them. And I breathe life into them and give them my power and my grace. So, Father, I pray for our country here in America. I pray, God, that you would raise us up as a people to do your bidding, to not be afraid of what they can do, but that they should be afraid of what we can say that would prick their hearts. And I pray for countries, God, that have the underground churches and persecuted Christians. I can't even imagine that the life that they're living I pray, God, that you would give them the grace in the dangerous hour that they live in. Get the Bibles to them, Lord, we pray. The preachers, Lord, who would smuggle those Bibles to the underground churches, taking their life into their own hands. We pray for your safety for men and women and boys and girls in those countries, that you would sustain them with the boldness and courage that only you can give them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And thank you for listening.